If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2022, please make a year-end tax-deductible gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2022. hymn studies here on Issues Etc., especially Christmas hymn studies. And it's a wonder we haven't done this one before, because it ranks along with Little Town of Bethlehem or Silent Night as one of the standards of Christmas hymnody, O Come All Ye Faithful, with that refrain, O Come Let Us Adore Him, Christ the Lord. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc., coming to you from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to study the Christmas hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful. Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever will be our guest. Then we'll hear a Christmas classic, Dr. Paul Meyer, on the first Christmas. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, welcome. Hey, thank you, Todd. Joy to be with you. You have a personal history with this particular hymn. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I love this hymn so much because I really kind of learned it first in Latin, of all things, Adeste Fidelis, right, from my mother. Because when my mom was in high school, what that would have been in the uh, the 1930s, in public high school in the United States of America, in Latin class, they had to learn the hymn, Adeste Fidelis. So they, they all learned it, and they uh, they began singing it that way. And, and I thought that was just an amazing thing. Can you imagine, Todd, a time when in the public school, you actually have to learn in Latin the hymn, O Come, All Ye Faithful? What a, what a hoot. It testifies to how differently the world is today from what it was, uh, you know, in the 1930s in America. Now let's talk about the general history of this hymn, O Come All You Faithful. Yeah. First of all, we're not 100% sure about the author. We are, you know, like 95% sure that it's a fellow named John Francis Wade. He was born in 1711 and he lived to 1785 or 86. We know that he was English. We know that he became a Roman Catholic, and this is the key to this hymn. He became a loyal Jacobite, so one of the ones who sought to see the the House of Stuart restored to the throne of England, and England as a whole returned to the Church of Rome. And it has implications for this hymn because it's actually then full of double entendre. It uses images referring to Christ to also say and communicate things about the birth of the new pretender, Bonnie Prince Charlie, who was born uh, the 20th of December in 1720, and whose birth was supposedly heralded by a star. So originally, 
the the image of the Savior's birth as the rightful king of the angels was code for the celebration of the Christian faithful in Britain, that would be the Roman Catholics who were mostly still underground at that time, to come and behold the authentic regum angelorum or regum anglorum, that is, the king of the English. So Wade, he's playing with that um, expectation here of the, uh, the the Roman Catholic people that in England at the time that, that they're king might that might one day be restored to the throne and the whole realm become faithfully Roman Catholic again. It's one of these hymns that, that when you know this, this part of the history of it, you look at it and you go, I don't like the hymn as much as I did before. I knew the history. There are a whole bunch of hymns to think about. It is well with my soul, right? It's when you know the story behind the writing of that, that you immediately go, oh, that's beautiful. I'm so glad I know that. Or Amazing Grace, when you know the slave trading history behind that, you immediately appreciate the hymn so much more. With this one, I think it's kind of the opposite direction, knowing the history that he was actually trying to send a secret message using the language of the church and the celebration of the birth of Christ to uh, you know, announce to the, the the people of England that their, their real rightful king really is uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie. Then, then you look at it and say, oh, Oh, it's not quite as as joyous as it was before, but you can know that whole history and then realize the church just lifted up the thing for the words that it actually had, and it spread everywhere, Todd. Have you ever thought about how the music of the church just beyond all the divisions in Christianity, the divisions of confession between the different churches, there is this commonality sometimes in music that still happens. This piece is a prime example of it. Christians of every confession sing this hymn. And I really think probably like of every confession, generally the Orthodox don't sing hymns from the West. But I think that after uh, like their normal Christmas celebration in church, they will get together and sing the English carols, if you will. And this is one of the chief among them. O come all ye faithful. So the hymn, despite being like a political statement at the beginning and a very positive Roman Catholic statement at the beginning, ends up being adopted by all of Christendom as a beautiful hymn to welcome and summon each other to celebrate the birth of the Messiah. One more little thing on that play on angel in English. That actually works sometimes in German, too. It cracks me up every time we sing Wake Awake for Night is Flying. If you think about the line in German, mit Menschen und Englischen Zungen, they mean with, with human and angelic tongues, but that's also the word for English. So English and angel, they, they actually run together in, in a number of languages, including the Latin there. So do you want to deal with the biblical, you know, uh, grounding for the hymn, too? Absolutely. Okay. I think that the key to the, to getting where this is really from in the Bible is this the, the refrain, oh, come, let us adore him. And I think of two passages. First of all, we have in Psalm 95, this uh, beautiful thing called the Venite, right? We sing it in Matins. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. 
this is all, you know, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This is all the language of coming to adore, to adore. And we also have in Hebrews chapter one, when the father brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship or adore him. So everything is being summoned here to unite in the adoration of the one who comes to us in Bethlehem. Deal with that word because it's one that we use but often don't consider its import, adoration or adore. We say someone is adorable. It, we kind of trivialize the biblical use of this particular word. Yeah, I mean, when we say adore in that strict sense, we're, we're not saying something is cute. We're saying it's worthy of worship. And so when we adore Christ the Lord, we are adoring the child that was born of Mary. We are worshiping him in his divinity and humanity united together. And we are falling down before him, giving him praise and worship as the true God. So it's it's a very important word. Also, though, I mean, this word come is well worth pondering, too. Um, it runs throughout the whole piece. And it's actually one of the liturgy's key words. The first stanza, O come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him born, the king of angels. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. King's College Choir with stanza one of the hymn, O Come All You Faithful. What would you say of this first stanza, Will? Okay, well, come certainly is the word that you hear ringing throughout the whole stanza, and it does invite some pondering on our part. It's the invitation for the people of God to gather to Christ, that we all assemble in his name, that through his word and sacrament we might come into his presence it's the cry we hear, for example, in Isaiah 55, right? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money on what's not bread and your labor for what does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So this cry of come then is answered by entering into the presence of God where he is speaking, and his word will give you that thing that you have been hungering for without ever realizing it is going to convey to you the gift of Christ himself. And so Christ himself cries out in Matthew 11, right? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that cry, come, is taken up by the church also in our liturgy and hymns. You hear it in Revelation 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride, so the Holy Spirit and the church, they say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. So this is the coming that's going on here. But of course, in the hymn, we are directed to Bethlehem. Now, yeah, in a sense, we do not go to Bethlehem. We do not go to Calvary. They, though, are brought to us through the proclamation of the word and then the reception of Jesus' body and blood. And so the point is that when we come together to the place where Christ has promised to meet us with his words, with his body, with his blood, we come to the one who was born in Bethlehem. And in that sense, we can call to each other to come to Bethlehem. Come meet the one who was born in Bethlehem. Just like the shepherds said to one another after the angel appeared to them, let us go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us and the babe lying in the manger. And they came with haste. And it's because of what the angel told the shepherds taught that they make their way to Bethlehem joyful and triumphant, and we can too. How can we not be filled with joy when we just heard the news of a great joy that is to be for all the people? How can we not be triumphant when we realize that our maker has revealed himself sharing our own flesh and blood? And who is this one that we're coming to? He is Christ, the King of the angels. Do you remember how Jesus said on the night of his arrest that he could have asked and received more than 12 legions of angels? They're his angels. They announce his birth to Mary. They announce his birth to the shepherds. They strengthen him in the wilderness after his time of fasting. They strengthen him in the garden before his passion. They announce his resurrection. They attend his ascension, and they're going to return with him in glory. So the angels surround Jesus wherever he is. And when the father brought that firstborn into the world, of course, he famously said, let all God's angels worship him. He's the one that's in charge of all. So we urge each other on and we come to adore him. Come and adore, come and adore Christ the Lord. As I said, and like an echo from the invitatory from Matins, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. It's just a beautiful summons. And did you hear how the choir did that, Todd? They they kept building it up, right? It's like you're in Revelation in chapter four and five and how the song of praise just keeps getting bigger and bigger, a bigger circle praising, a bigger circle praising until all of creation is on its knees confessing Jesus as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Talk a little bit about this term we referred to as the faithful. Yeah, and and faithful just literally means here the people who have faith in this one that they are coming to worship, that this human being in front of them truly is God the Lord made flesh. The faithful are those who faithfully believe the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as the Athanasian Creed puts it. When we return, the second stanza of O Come All Ye Faithful, God of God, light of light, lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb, very God begotten, not created. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're studying this Christmas hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful, with Pastor Will Wheaton. 
Church music directors can find a new community at Prelude to Postlude, the CPH Music blog. Learn helpful tips for managing music ministry and involving members, and meet the composers of some of your favorite new pieces. Plus, find suggestions of music to use for special services, and preview some of our newest works with free samples you can use at your church. Visit us at preludetopostlude.org. Making Disciples for Life. Across the nation, students are back in school in over 1,800 schools serving children in early childhood through high school. Students are thriving in programs of excellence in a safe, caring Christian environment taught by dedicated teachers. To find a school in your community, visit lcms.org schools. Connect today for information about a Lutheran school for the children in your family at lcms.org schools. Old Theology, New Technology, you're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. It's the days before Christmas and the list is so long of whom to buy what for, so I'll help you along. Ad Crucem has gifts for all budgets and tastes. Our service is quick for shoppers in haste. Pop over to the website adcrucem.com for gifts focused on Christ where it's always belonged. Reminders of his work for saints in this world and his promises eternal yet to be fulfilled. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Stanza 2 of the Christmas hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful, we're studying it with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, this is straight from the creed, God of God, light of light. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no question. It's worth noting on this stanza, there are sometimes variations in how it's rendered into English because it's really hard to figure out how to get the Latin to make the syllables work in English. So, as you point out, it rightly, it just clearly begins with God of God, light of light. Anybody who's used to going to the divine service of the church will immediately recognize the words from the creed in the divine service. Again, the Nicene Creed is one of those remarkable pieces of of, uh, the church's liturgy, which Christians have, I mean, 
so very many confessions joined in praying, right? They, they, we all know these words that Jesus Christ is God of God and light of light. But then the stanza makes an interesting move. It turns to what Luther once called one of the creeds, but what most people just consider a canticle. Lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb is the literal rendering of what the Latin says in the Te Deum Laudamus. And that if you were using an English book of common prayer, it would have those very words right in it. You know, he abhorred not the virgin's womb. In the American book of common prayer, they altered that in, oh my goodness, I don't remember the exact year. It was in the 18th or 19th century. They altered it to read, he humbled himself to be born of a virgin because they didn't want to mention the word womb, you know, the Victorian era being shy of, of referring to that, which is just such a shame. He abhors not the virgin's womb is not quite the same thing as he humbled himself to be born of a virgin because Lutherans in America use the Book of Common Prayer as the background for the way that they received the liturgy. We ended up having the American version in our ears instead of that beautiful wording of the eternal son abhors not the virgin's womb when he becomes a man. The next line, very God, begotten, not created, should, I mean, yes, you can hear that's very much in the Nicene Creed, but it's also very clearly in the Athanasian Creed as well. Think about, just as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord, so also we are prohibited by the Catholic religion to say there are three gods or three lords. The Father is not made nor created nor begotten by anyone. Here's the line. The Son is neither made nor created, but begotten of the Father alone. This is, of course, just expanding on what the Council of Nicaea confessed when they said that the Son was homoousius, of one substance with the Father. What the Father is, that the Son is too. Because he is begotten, he's not made. I, I just, we can't emphasize that strongly enough. What is it that separates Orthodox Christians from something like the Jehovah Witness? We confess that the Son is begotten of the Father from eternity. He is not made. He's not a creation. He's not something different from the Father. He actually shares the Father's essence, his nature, his substance. And all of that deep theology here about who the Son is, is packed into the opening line. This is the one that we're coming to worship. This is the one we're coming to adore. He is Christ the Lord. Maybe at this point, I, I didn't really comment on that yet, but we should the Lord. When we call Christ the Lord, you have to remember the full weight of that, like you have in Philippians chapter 2, where every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the curious. The, he is, he is, th this is the word which in the, the uh, Septuagint the Greek version of the Old Testament, they regularly use to replace Yahweh, right? So you don't have Yahweh, you have Kyrios. So to say Jesus is Kyrios, Kyrios is to say Jesus is himself Yahweh in human flesh and blood. And so everything in this stanza is trying to confess that about him. That baby that you're looking at there in the manger, that you've come to Bethlehem to see, that baby is actually God from God. He is actually light from light. He is the one who did not abhor the virgin's womb, 
but is himself begotten of the Father. He is not created. He is himself eternal God in human flesh and blood. That's the one you're falling down on your knees in front of. On that subject of Lord, if you would, Luther has something particular to say about what it means to have a Lord, what it means that Christ is Lord when he talks at length, uh, both in the small but the larger catechism as well, about the second article of the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, when Luther unpacks Lord, he's using it especially in the sense of your Redeemer, your Rescuer. You can almost hear it as your hero. He's the one who comes to rescue you in the dire situation you find yourself in where you cannot do anything to rescue or save yourself. There's nothing you can do to get out of the mess. He comes as your hero to actually endure and to pull you out. That's the one who is your your Lord, your rescuer, your redeemer. He hears all of that packed into the word Lord, and I think that's a very biblical way to hear what Yahweh in the flesh came to do. He came to save, which means a lot more than help. He came to actually rescue those who were beyond help. We're studying the Christmas hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful, with Pastor Will Whedon. He's author of the book, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Pray, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. You can purchase these books on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. When we come back, stanza three, sing choir of angels, sing in exultation, sing all ye citizens of heaven above, glory to God, all glory in the highest, O come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2022, please make a year-end tax-deductible gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2022. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. When Jesus walked with his disciples to Emmaus, they had lost hope. But he opened the scriptures, broke bread, and gave it to them, and they knew him. At Emmaus Lutheran Church in Redmond, Oregon, Jesus repeats this miracle every Sunday. He makes himself known among us in preaching and the sacrament of his body and turns our sorrow to joy. Join us for divine service Sundays at 9 and visit our website, www.emmauslcms.org. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House. 
A charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858. Evangelical and Catholic. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Beautiful Savior Lutheran, Spokane, Washington. Concordia Lutheran, Wilmington, Delaware. Grace Lutheran, Naples, Florida. Hope Lutheran, St. Louis, Missouri. Mount Olive Lutheran, Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Our Savior Lutheran, Ridgecrest, California. Redeemer Lutheran, St. Cloud, Minnesota. St. John Lutheran, Rosemount, Minnesota. St. Paul Lutheran, Sevierville, Tennessee. Trinity Lutheran, Walton, Nebraska and Our Savior Lutheran, Houston, Texas. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Stanza 3 of O Come All Ye Faithful, we're studying this hymn with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Well, if the last one was the creed, this one is the proper preface. Uh, yeah, yeah, right? It's the proper preface, you know, because of the joining in of the angels. Or you might almost think of it also, Todd, as putting you right back into Luke chapter 2 and the account of what happens there. Let me read the actual words, and I'm going to read them from the King James, because that's the only way to read them, in my opinion. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not! For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that is Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angel had just announced basically stanza two of the hymn, right? The one born for you in Bethlehem is Yahweh, is Christ the Lord. 
And the sign, of course, is going to be you're going to find that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. But then, then you get to this stanza. So, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So when you say, sing choirs of angels, sing in exaltation, sing all you citizens of heaven above what you are doing in the hymn, is saying, I want to be there on the hills with the shepherds that night. I want to hear that voice. I want to see the heavens filled with the light and the song of the angels floating down to earth. And of course, what was it that the angels sang? They sang, glory to God, all glory in the highest, that glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. So, in her worship here, the church summons the angels again to say, hey, do an encore, please sing that one more time so we can join with you. You think about how Psalm 148.2 says, praise him, all his angels, praise him, all his hosts. Well, especially praise him, the God who has become flesh. This is the locus of their praise. And this swirling circle of praise is what you read out in the apocalypse, as I already referred to, but I mean, in chapters four and five, but you hear it again in chapter seven and chapter 14 and chapter 19. And we're flinging the angels' words back at them. This glory to God, all glory in the highest. Remember, this hymn, it's different from the holy, holy, holy. You hear that repeatedly. But this hymn floats down to earth on Christmas night. And it's the church's joy to repeat the angels' words. But do you remember what season we've been in? It's been Advent. And in Advent time, the church fasts from singing these beautiful words but on Christmas Eve, when you'd sing, O Come All Ye Faithful, or Christmas morning, the Gloria has come trumpeting back. And in a sense, this hymn is welcoming the Gloria back, and it's summoning the angels to sing with the church on earth as the host of heaven join in this heavenly hymn all together, and with it to adore him who is, as the angel said, Christ the Lord. Before we listen to stanza four, some might say, wow, this would be a really good stopping point in this hymn. You got us all the way back to the angels at Bethlehem. You got us all the way forward to singing with the citizens of heaven above. And and it, this covers all of it. This is where we stop. Why is it necessary that we have this last stanza in there? Yeah, if you will, Christmas celebration is never done with Luke 2. That Luke 2 is awesome, and it's the content of the church's worship at the first service of Christmas, which is usually Christmas midnight, and then the, the second service of Christmas, if it's held Christmas dawn, the visit of the shepherds to, to the baby Jesus. But then, then you're not done with Christmas till you get to John 1. You're not done till you get the confession that Jesus is the eternal word of the Father, made flesh, tabernacling among us. This is the great joy of Christmas service number three, if you will, the, the chief divine service on Christmas Day, the culmination of our entire Christmas feast. It comes to conclusion and culmination in John chapter one and not before. And that's where this particular stanza is going to drive us. Stanza for, Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning, Jesus, to thee be glory given, word of the Father now in flesh appearing, O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord.
the final stanza of O Come All Ye Faithful. Now we're in John. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. Yeah, but it starts out with this, born this happy morning. We maybe should think about that for a minute. When you hear morning, Todd, I, I think of usually sunrise, but it doesn't always mean that. It can mean any time after midnight. That's the early morning, right? So according to the church's tradition, Jesus was born in the middle of the night. This is largely based on a passage from the Apocrypha, Wisdom 18, verse 14. It says, For while all things were in silence, and the night was in the midst of her course, thy almighty word leapt down from heaven, from thy royal throne. And so the tradition that the birth happened in the early morning darkness, as we sing in another carol, when half spent was the night, lo how rose, or in the, the Christmas carol, it came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old. And so we greet the one who was born this happy morning because assembled in his name, around his words, and for his Eucharist, he really is here. We get to join with the angels and all creation in actually giving him glory. And he is now revealing himself to us to be the word of the Father. I said John 1 is clearly the passage in the background here. And, you know, there was a time that these words were heard at the end of every divine service, that they're worth hearing. Let me just give them to you in toto. And you see why this stands as evoking them. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the Christmas Day gospel, which confesses, not just the circumstances around his birth, but above all, who is being born? Who is it that we are welcoming into the flesh? It is the one who is the eternal word of the Father. This is also what Paul meant when he said in 1 Timothy 3, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up into glory. This is the one that we fall down before and worship, the God who has become flesh and who in the Eucharist gives that flesh and blood to us. I want you to talk a little bit about this. It's a, another 
John concept, the glory that is given to Christ. And we tend to think about this either in terms of kind of the, the baby who's kind of a nightlight in the manger, you know, glowing, or a Christ appearing in his glory on the last day. But for John, glory is much bigger than that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, John never wants you to lose sight of the glory that shines from Christ's cross. But I think if you want to, I mean, when the artists try to <laughs> have the baby nightlight, if you will, they're trying to depict, remember how we, we sing this in Silent Night, right? That love is what beams from his holy face. And that love that beams from Christ's face, if you will, that shines, that God shines upon this world, this favor that he gives us, shines in the most brilliant, awesome way when he is being nailed to a cross, bearing the sin of the entire world in his own body, bearing in his flesh the just displeasure of God against all sin, his eternal punishment, enduring it all as God's free gift to a race that had done this to him, to a race that rejected him and wanted nothing to do with him. He comes to give this free gift of life. And John says, man, in the light of that glory, all that other stuff is glory, but I mean, this is glory. We have seen his glory. He's probably referring to the glory of the cross itself, which he kind of makes clear as he works his way on through that gospel. Is there something, I don't want to push this too far, but there's the stanza that is the creed, one that is the glory and excelsis and the proper preface. Is this one now in flesh appearing the Eucharist itself? Yeah, you know, I think I think that given the man's Roman Catholic background, he would indeed have been thinking of that reality. You are getting to come to the Word made flesh who comes to give you his very flesh in the Eucharist itself. It's an absolutely stunning moment. And you know, can I share a line or two of poetry from a much later poet laureate of Britain who absolutely got this in a profound way, who got what Wade wanted us to be singing about here in this last stanza. And is it true, this most tremendous tale of all, seen in a stained glass window's hue, a baby in an ox's stall, the maker of the stars and sea, become a child on earth for me? And is it true? For if it is, no loving fingers tying strings around those tissued fripperies, the sweet and silly Christmas things, bath salts and inexpensive scent and hideous tie so kindly meant. No love that in a family dwells, no caroling in frosty air, nor all the steeple-shaking bells can with this single truth compare. That God was man in Palestine and lives today in bread and wine. There it is, Todd. That's the joy before which this hymn is summoning us to come and fall down on our knees, (laughs) to open our mouths and to receive the gift of his body and blood for the wiping out of all our sins. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We are studying the Christmas hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful. We will hear the entire hymn and get Pastor Whedon's final thoughts next.
Listen to the best of the church's Christmas music during the entire Christmas season at LutheranPublicRadio.org. During the 12 days of Christmas, Lutheran Public Radio, LutheranPublicRadio.org. Several Issues Etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the President and Vice Presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. IssuesETC.org slash 2023 nominations. Educating a new generation of Lutherans. You're listening to Issues Etc. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're studying the Christmas hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. He hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Folks, we have five days left in 2022. Please make a year-end tax-deductible contribution to support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. No gift is too small. You can make a secure online donation at issuesetc.org or by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support at the end of the year. Let's hear the entire hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful.
The King's College Choir with the hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful. Pastor Whedon, what are your final thoughts on this Christmas hymn? Well, I want to actually let another Lutheran pastor have the final thoughts on this because I think he is probably the most profound grasper of the truth that this hymn comes to its culmination at the Eucharist. Bertolt von Schenk writes, However, Bethlehem can be brought down to us today, for it is focused beautifully for the believer at the altar in the Holy Communion. The Holy Communion is the continuation of the Incarnation. And this is the one thing we must ever seek in Bethlehem, that Bethlehem begets in us the divine love, a selfless, supernatural love, which is the Bethlehem love, a love which alone can ease the heartache of the world. When we fail in our relations with our fellow man, either at home or in business, it's because our love is tainted with self-interest. But it is only the divine love which can make us irresistible. And this love alone can save society. If we take offense at God's making this truth of Bethlehem real to us by the real presence at the altar, then we must take offense also at the whole Christmas story. If we stumble at the altar, we shall also stumble at the threshold of the stable. At the altar, we fling the challenge to the world. We say, man has not been made for money, or wage slavery, or mere pleasure or passion. Man was not made to be a machine. Man was made to be God's own, made in the image of eternity. And this is not the vague dream of a mystic. It sprang into realization at Bethlehem, and it is brought down to us today at the altar. Indeed, O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Be sure to make it a priority in 2023 to listen to Pastor Whedon's daily Bible study. You can listen anytime, anywhere, at thewordendures.org or on your favorite podcast provider. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. Will, thanks. Thank you so much, Todd. Blessed Christmas. Life After Row is the theme of the January issue of the Lutheran Witness magazine. You can read the Lutheran Witness in print and online in 2023 for an annual subscription of less than $20. Learn more at cph.org witness or by calling Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040. Interpreting the world from a Lutheran perspective, the Lutheran Witness magazine. Up next, an Issues Etc. classic, The First Christmas with Dr. Paul Meyer. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. The Third Commandment teaches us to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
We do this when we hold God's word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Jesus invites the weak and heavy laden to rest in him, our true rest, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. This weekend, rest in Jesus as you hear his word and receive his gifts. If you are in Southern Illinois, you're invited to join Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstadt to rest in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn more at trinitymilstadt.org. Lutheran Talk. The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran Music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.